Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Huntworth. Huntworth brings you quality hunting clothing and packs at a price you deserve. Check them out at huntworthgear.com. And guys, I um, continue to be impressed with all the Huntworth stuff. We've got, you know, loads and loads of their gear that we've been using and uh, went out and scouted, did four miles in the rain the other day in their rain jacket and you know it was light durable and you know did kept me dry so that was basically all i need but it's not too loud like some of the rain gear stuff is really loud this has like a brush finish on the outside um really enjoying that and their other stuff and they're giving away a ton of stuff for our quarterly giveaway this uh quarterly giveaway is uh, it's almost absurd all the things that we're giving away but that's what we do give back through patreon you know we work with these partners but the whole idea is to be able to give back to you guys so it's not just for us on the show uh for the patrons that support the show you know we do quarterly giveaways and this quarter is absurd on the 20th so I just looked at my schedule, so it's a, got a couple weeks to get entered in. I know it's not right at the end of the quarter, but um, April 20th, we'll go live on Instagram like we always do, and I've got a ton of stuff to give away. So this quarter, for the first quarter, what we're giving away is a full turkey hunting kit from Huntworth. So it's a jacket, sweatshirt, pants, hat, gloves, everything and we've got all of this stuff um really uh, i'm actually really super impressed with the pants um the pants and the grid fleece hoodie uh but they're giving away all of that stuff and then we also purchased uh bear montana longbow so it's a 40 pound longbow 
beautiful bow. Um, I've been having a lot of fun shooting the longbow that I have, and we did a podcast with Bear. They have like some really nice traditional archery stuff, and it's really not that expensive. Uh, compared to a lot of the custom stuff. I think the bow that I'm shooting, um, I got secondhand from a listener, but if you wanted to buy that bow brand new, looking pretty, would be like a thousand bucks. And um, that Bear Montana bow, I think was uh, 400 or something like that. So not terribly expensive to get into, but a really nice bow. The folks at Selway threw in a grayling quiver. Um, Tom built uh, a set of arrows. Uh, specifically for uh, a 40-pound longbow, beautiful arrows. We got a shooting tab. Bear Archery gave us a bunch of stuff to give away. Um, you know, there's a stringer with the bow and all that stuff, but we've got uh, Fred Bear book, a DVD set. Uh, we're going to be giving that stuff away as well. Um, I got a Mystery Ranch Bino Harness to give away. Our friends from uh, – Zinger Fletchings are giving away another set of uh, the Zinger Fletchings. Uh, John's going to be using their six Fletch. I finally got them to uh, actually shoot some, and they put uh, some together just specifically for using um, the big guillotine-style heads. John's shooting the Magnus Bullhead this year at Turkey's, uh, so he's going to be using those to steer. Um, you know, We're also working with Lucky Buck. Put some of that out at our property in the UP um, where it's legal here in Michigan, and um, Already got deer finding it. They've, they're still getting snow. So uh, every time a snow goes away, the deer come back in, and then, then it is a blizzard, and I don't see deer for a few days. Um, but they're already finding it, already hitting it. And so Lucky Buck is giving away either a bucket of their uh, Lucky Buck mineral or um, some of their perennial seed. Um, so you can check them out at uh, luckybuck.com. And then Spartan Forge, you know, we've been working with them for the last two years. Um, Spartan Forge is artificial intelligence for the deer woods. And that was like one of my go-tos all season last year. And their imagery, I I can't say enough about it. It's incredible. Um, They're working on right now getting it up on the website so that you can look not only through the app, but you can also do it from a desktop. And they've got two different updates. Bill has uh, gone online and said, look, this is what's going on. Uh, we've got an update coming here in the next month or so, and then uh, nearer to deer season, we're going to have a, another update. They're always looking for feedback. That's another thing that we love working with these companies that are actually listening and, and wanting feedback to say, you know, how can we be better? You can check them out at SpartanForge.ai. You can use code BOWHUNTER to save 25%, but they're giving away uh, a one-year subscription to Spartan Forge, and that's predictive deer movement. So basically it's saying that collared deer studies and all the data that's available put into this artificial intelligence algorithm says that during these conditions in your area, these deer move in these areas. So um, if you're going to be near bedding, if you're going to be full range, so bed to food, um, if they're going to be everywhere in the rut, um, all of that is on there. It's got a full on journal. You can put all your information in there. Again, you know, great deal with Spartan Forge, but that's what we're going to be giving away all that stuff on April 20th for our quarterly giveaway. If you want to get in on that, uh, you've got a couple more days. Uh, you can go to the link on our Instagram, click on the Patreon link, or you can go to patreon.com forward slash Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. You can go to our website, Bowhunter Chronicles podcast, and just click on the link. And it's like 
you know, 17 cents a day if you want to support us. Um, and that money goes for all the hosting, all the stuff that we do here. And, you know, we do as much as we can to give back uh, to you guys. And, you know, we've got a Marco Polo group. Uh, we've got the Vitals Live just did a great uh, episode with Joe Miles and Andy May. Uh, you guys can get in on that and uh, kind of be on some of these live webinar things and, you know, some of your hunting personality, some of these guys that are on the podcast, you can pick their brains. And uh, all of that is things that we do to give back to the Patreons. But if that's not for you, not a big deal. Um, you know, we appreciate you just listening to the show, showing support, and go ahead, tell somebody else about it, leave us a review, you know, subscribe, all of that stuff. But man, we just appreciate it. I know you're going to like this episode. Fun one with the Bowhunter Chronicle or the Bowhunter Planet guys. Um, fun guys, Dave, Jamie, and Tim. Um, so leave us a comment, let us know, give us some feedback. And as always, thanks for listening. All right, everybody, Adam back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. And tonight we have what I think is like one of like the OG content creator type people in the bow hunting space. Uh, we got the fellas on from Bowhunter Planet, uh, Dave, Jamie, and Tim. And uh, I don't know if you guys want to introduce yourself so they get the sound of your voices and, and all of that, but uh, we'll kind of let you kick it off from there. Yeah, go ahead, Tim. Well, hello. This is <laughs> this is my podcast voice, um, Tim Mazarana. Um, no, just kidding, guys. Um, so yeah, Tim Mazarana, um, Bowhunter Planet, been with it since the beginning. Actually, Dave and I are the uh, the founders. Um, Dave taking the lead on mostly on camera work, and and he's the true talent, if you will, behind the scenes. Um, I do a lot of the podcast uh, work with him, um, supporting that that type of role, but. Really where I came in um, to the mix is I had the background and kind of the video photography uh, side of things is I, that's what I kind of grew up in. Um, my dad owned a company for many, many years in, in photography and videography and that kind of thing. And it was just kind of a, a good little fit between Dave and I, besides the fact that Dave and I have, uh, have known each other since uh, kindergarten. So we, <laughs> we go way, way back Can't between the two of us. But to be honest with you, it's kind of weird. Um, we didn't really didn't become best friends until I think it was senior year in high school, really. And it was really, I think, senior year in high school into that uh, summer in between high school and college when we spent our uh, spent our time over in Barcelona and Spain and all of that stuff that uh, we kind of forged an everlasting friendship between the two of us and uh, just kind of rolled from there, went to college together, although that's a long story as well. Um, Went to college together, graduated, uh, always knew that we were going to do something together. And uh, this is just what kind of came out of it. So that is, uh, that's my spiel, Dave. Take it away, buddy. I'll, I'll, I'll let Jamie go real quick. Get his out of the way. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is Jamie here. You know, I'm the model guy. The, the one that looks great in all the photos. That's me. Uh, uh, I went to a rival college than these two guys. Um, thank God I didn't go to their high school. There's a lot of stuff coming out of that town nowadays. But no, in all seriousness, I've, I've, I've met Dave in what? 2000, 2010? 2011? Somewhere there, yeah. And then, you know, the wife was like, yeah, my, my new friend has a, a husband that haunts. I'm like, yeah, sure he does. And then 
And then he, they actually did. And then, you know, I kind of got into the whole bow hunter planet thing and then the rest is the rest is history. So this is a funny We're story. Cause here. when I met Jamie, Jamie was the biggest, like Matthews fanboy ever. And I, and I was like, dude, like you, you got to shoot all these bows, man. And then he started coming over to the studio and he's like, Oh my God, these are so cool. And all of a sudden it went from like being Matthews only to like, wow, I can't believe this. Oh, this is a Hoyt. This is a Darton. He just kept going. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's hard. And, you know, and, that, and that's kind of what we do, right. Is, um, is send that message out because it's hard to go and it, it can be intimidating to go into a shop and ask to shoot all the bows and, so I think what we do helps with those reviews and kind of give you an idea of what a couple you want to go pick and look at. So well, that, that's our philosophy, right? Is it? Is it's not about one thing; it's about the industry as a whole, and it and it's about bringing the products that people want to see out to them, um, so that they can see them. And we don't, you know, one of the things that we don't want to do is push somebody in a particular direction. And we have this conversation internally all the time. What Dave's like, what Dave likes in a bow is different than what Jamie likes, which is different than what I would like. Um, So it's just about bringing the content out and uh, helping support the industry. I think we have a really big, really big believer in, in the heritage of the industry and just want people to know what's out there. We want people to get excited about it. We want people to hunt. We want more people in this industry than we've ever had before. So. Oh, wow. That's nicely said, Tim. Thank you. Buddy. Uh, uh, so Dave Thomas, uh, you know, the funny part is I heard Tim talking about the original boner plant, but the funny part is, is that I actually didn't want to be the talent for boner planet. I was actually always in, uh, assuming we would use other people, but then I realized like there was no way to do this without one of us having put our face on this. There was just no way. Like it was just time-wise, you know, we, someone would always have to be filming something and doing something. So that's kind of how that happened. But I have never wanted to be the face of BHP, to be honest, but I unfortunately had to do it because if I didn't, then we didn't have a chance to survive period at the time. So, but it's been nice because I like what I love about BHP the most, to be honest, is just the, the community, the working with the companies, working with other brands, doing, uh, uh, promotions with companies. I just think it's a lot of fun. And, and we've always been the kind of company for the most part that is, a non-exclusive company. And we've done that for a lot of reasons, um, mainly because we just don't want to discriminate against any bow brand just because they sponsor us. Another one wants to sponsor us. So we never really allowed them to do that. And we've been asked years and years. So what we would do is give them like hunt shows that we could, you know, dedicate um, back in the day. We haven't really do that anymore, but that was how we were kind of helping with that, where we could dedicate a brand. Uh, Botex done a few over the years. Darden's done a few. Hoyt's done a few. So we were able to help those companies with some sort of content on the side. Um, but the thing about us has always been just, it's more, you know, about solo hunting, filming by yourself and, you know, not really a full production, you know, what you'd see on these major networks. That's not what we ever were trying to be, you know, in that sense. But the other thing about BHP that's fun, I love the most about it is we don't compete with anybody. So like we, there's really no one who does what we do and there's no brands that do the same concepts of, as us, the people who do bow reviews are usually pro shops now uh, or big shops like Lancaster and all those, but we're not really competing versus those guys. It's not in our tent, nor do we care. So it's kind of nice, like to just not worry about it. And the, the sponsors we do have and the companies who support that test live show, um, they don't care about numbers per se. They care more about the right people putting, you know, their fingerprint on certain things. And that's what I love about this industry. It's not always about volume. It's not always about, 
you know, who's the biggest, you know, Hannah Baron out there who's getting millions of views. It doesn't work that way in this industry. That does help. Don't get me wrong. Part <laughs> that does sell itself in different sections, but for the most part, uh, most of the industry people, they want to believe in you and they want to believe in what you're working on as a whole and how that contributes to the sport and heritage of archery. So yeah. from the, from, from that, from that <laughs> perspective, like, uh, on the objectivity side, like when somebody sends you something and then you're like, well, this, this is kind of garbage or whatever. Like, how do you deal with that and then still like honor the company? Because, you know, it's really easy. Like for a bow, for example, you, the bow, I don't know how, I think that's probably got to be one of the more difficult things to do. And I don't think that any of the bows are like junk or whatever uh, nowadays, but at, at the same time, like you're not going to like the same thing in a bow that I do, that Jamie does, that Tim does. Right. So for you to say, like uh, to be anything other than just to like read the specs and shoot it and show people like, how do you say, you know, maybe steer somebody one way or the other without being specific or like biased or whatever. If, if Jamie's a Matthews fanboy, you know, every, every Matthews that comes through the the building is going to be like greatest bow ever. Greatest bow ever. This one's longer, this one's shorter, but still good. (laughs) Yeah. I think we try not to do that. Right. And I, th- yeah, I think we, at least when I'm, when I'm helping do the videos, I I'll emphasize things that I like, right? Like I, I don't, I don't like bows that jump, you know, that are just that fast anymore. I'm getting old. I like bows that lock in. So you, so if you see me review something and it's locking in the way I want it, I'll talk heavily about that because it's something yeah. that but I he's like. not going to sit there and bash it if it doesn't no, i mean if it's so. if it jumps i mean i can be like this thing's a piece of junk i wouldn't use it some people <laughs> like that right <laughs> you know because we I've don't go that a, i've had i've had a bow in the past where it gave me target panic because it jumped so much and i just stopped using it and it, and it took yeah, happened me, to me as well took me a while to get back into it till i found something like say like an elite where it locks in and forever and you don't have to do anything it takes that jumpiness right out and it took my target panic away Yeah. And I I think that's the point is that facts are facts and opinions are opinions. And what we try to stay away from is negative opinions. Um, And and to that point, Adam, is like what what I like would be different than Dave would be different than Jamie. So even though I have a I might have a negative opinion of a certain aspect of a bowl because I don't like it better than something else. That absolutely does not mean that somebody else would pick up that bow and think it's the best thing in the world. Right. So we try, I think the key is we just, we try to stay, I mean, we're, we try to be positive, right. That that's the key to it is we don't try to lock in on anything negative. It's just about that positivity um, and creating, you know, good factual positive content that people can rely on to say, okay, Dave reviewed this. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go to the dealer. I'm going to check it out. And then when they get it home, it's exactly what we are describing it as. Right. And that's, I think that's really what we're, what we're after when it comes. We always push people to go shoot the bow. Cause you know, everybody shoots a bow. It feels different to everybody. I'm pretty open about talking on the show about ones that really fit me. Right. You know, but again, I tell people that fits, that's me. That's, that's how it fits me. So like for me, for instance, I love short bows and I I don't make any secret of that. When I'm talking about bows, I did a bow review this year, battle the short bows between Bowtech and Matthews. And to be honest, they're both just amazing bows. Like you could literally shoot either bow. I could close my eyes and they could hand me each bow. I would, I would know the difference, but I assure you they're both like unbelievable when you pull them back and shoot them. One of the focuses this year 
for me was always going to be, what can I do different in the mid, mid range and low range? Because I wanted to be able to cover more of that section that people can afford and not the premium as much that where people are like, oh, that's cool, but I can't afford it and I don't want it. So one of the things I focused on this year for what I was working on, I was doing a lot of work with Bear Archery because Bear has a lot in that middle range. And that was the heritage of Fred Bear, where he created the Whitetail Hunter. He created a bow that people could afford, that people could get the storm by. And so to me, that was important because I thought, man, that, that's a really strong message. And for Bear to today, to, to this day, have price points that people can afford are very important. But to answer your first question, from my perspective, the, thing, the things I look for first in a bow are, are issues, errors. Uh, mistakes, things that are broke or cracked. If something's not right, I call that manufacturer back and we have a conversation about it. Like I have one where the cam was coming off, the strings coming off the cam and it has to be reworked. And so I had a conversation with that manufacturer about that and ended up sending that bow back and that bow never even came onto the show. And so we don't usually put bows on the show if there's any issues or anything like that. We had one crossbow years ago, fire by itself. I mean, just fired. I mean, no, there's a bolt in there. And it's all on video. Just fire. Of course, I didn't show the video because they, I sent it back. Like, I'm not touching it. You right. guys need to fix your stuff and get with it. I, I'm, I'm not, you know, this is not something I'm going to talk about because this is an issue. And I don't, right. I'm not going to deal with this issue because that's your issue. <laughs> you can't have a bow that's making huge critical errors. So, um, and they did. They fixed it based on that, that information. Yeah. And then it did come back out and it was fine. So, but those are the things I look for in it when you talk about, you know, subjective. It's only, it's really just looking for problems. So, like, one of the things that you've gotten kind of into there is something that I want to talk about, which is like the low end and mid range bows. Um, but uh, before we get there, be just for like frame of reference, how long have you been doing bow hunter planet? And then for the, the three of you in that time frame, how many different bows do you suppose you've shot? <laughs> Let me go first. Um, <laughs> <Shit, wow. laughs> So no, we, 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 we founded uh bow hunter planet in 2009 in Dave's garage. Um, so we've been doing this for what near on 20, not 23, 13 years now. Yeah. Um, so, so it's been a great run. I mean, we've had a lot of changes, a lot of adaptations, as you can imagine, just with technology alone, when we first started, um, back in 2009, we were running cameras with actual film tapes, right? Where you had to take those tapes out. You had to go in, you had to play it back into the computer, record it while it was going into the computer, and then you can start editing it, right? So, I mean, just the technology change that we had, um, you know, in the 13 years that we've been, that we started off doing it has been a huge change from, uh, I'm going to call it analog, although it wasn't from analog over to this digital world that we are now. I mean, even the last two years, right? This Zoom thing that we're doing right now, um, you know, that really came about in the last two, two and a half years because of the pandemic. So, I mean, just technology changes in general. Uh, but the number of bows that I can say that I've shot, um, and I can be very specific about this, is two. <laughs> Um, cause I don't, I, I'm not the compound guy. So if you ever, if you ever watch our stuff and you ever, you ever kind of listen to our podcasts, um, I, I know a lot about it, but I don't typically shoot compound. That's not my world. Um, and it's not, it, it's not going to be in the near future because of a shoulder injury, but I'm the crossbow guy. That's what I love. That's what I do. So in the niche of what we do, um, I've shot a ton of crossbows, uh, but compounds are really the, the expertise of Dave and Jamie on the show. Okay. Oh, Jamie, go. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> less than Dave, but I mean, it's got to be in the hundreds, right? 
I, you know, and then we kind of, we kind of pick a bow that we shoot every year. So, you know, we keep talking about me and Matthews. I mean, great bows, but I haven't shot it since switchback. So just, just for everybody. But I think I shot, (laughs) I think I went darting obsession for a while for my hunting bows, um, darting obsession, uh, lots of expeditions and elite for a couple years. And then I have the new, the, I had the, uh, the, that new alloy expedition last year, which was really nice. I can't remember what it, what it was called up top of my head. They, Dave shot Getting so old. many bows that he yeah. had to go back and reshoot and, some of the older bows yeah. recently. <laughs> yeah. That's what I've been working on. I'm going back to remember. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing I remember when I shot that helium again, I couldn't believe how mm-hmm. nice of a bow that was. I was like, dang, this thing is way nicer. I remember. And that's from 2014. That, I yeah, mean, that's, that's many moons ago in the, in the bow industry world. I think so. we need to kill some with that this year. I'm just saying that's a nice bow. I'm not gonna lie. Like I I'm, I'm down with it. Um, I don't know how many I've shot, honestly, but it's been, it's been hundreds for sure. And I think that, you know, doing this, we're doing this new classic series, which we could talk about a little bit, but doing that series on top of it, um, is amazing. Cause now I'm actually getting into the bows that, you know, way before my time, way before BHP, way before even I started shooting archery. And I've been like looking constantly looking for bows that are older. And, um, I've been what right now I'm kind of focused on, uh, Pearson. I'm trying to get some of the old Pearsons. And so I've been working on that as we speak, but, uh, I, st- I focused on Matthews first, just because it was the easiest one to focus on at the time. I had a list of all the old Matthews bows. I still have it. So I'm still working that list, trying to get as many as I can. That I haven't had a chance to shoot. And then, uh, I was, I focused on bear for a little bit. I'm gonna go back to bear later because I got some really cool ones. I'm gonna show same with Bowtech. I got a ton on that one. I want to show. So, uh, overall on, it'll be a lot of bows by the end of the classic series. That's for sure. So, like I said, I, I want to use that to preface, right? For the new bows that are coming out, like most often I would get a guy that would ask me like, like, let's say that he's shooting like the Bowtech general or something of that era. Right. And he's like, well, what bow should I get? Well, it's like, well, you have to go shoot him. But realistically, the technology has come so far in that time frame that you can pick up any mid-level bow you know, mid price point or last year's flagship or anything. And it is going to be an entirely different bow than what you're used to shooting that, that normal that you have. So in that mid level price range or, or, or whatever, like what bows are out right now that, that have really impressed you from, you know, let's say that like five to $700 price range, because right now, you know, you talk about flagship bows and guys are saying, well, you know, I don't need that or I can't afford that. I mean, that, that carbon levitate or whatever is like two grand, like, and that's bare bow without anything. And it's like, and there is a, a, a faction of people that won't buy a bow or will look at it and say, well, that bow is not even a thousand dollars, like for bear, like their flagship bow is like nine ninety nine or something like that. Like, well, how can that be a flagship? It can't be as good as the $1,500 Hoyt or, or whatever, you know? Um, so I would say that, you know, for me, um, when I think of 
that price point, or I think of any price point realistically, I have two brands come to my mind no matter what. So Diamond and Bear. So those two, in my opinion, dominate the middle ground and lower ground of the bow manufacturing. PSC has a few, like the Brute, um, but those bows have been around a long time. So I don't know. I don't see a lot of people shooting those as as I do like the Bears. So uh, the Bear launched a bow uh, this year called the Alaskan. So that would be a bow that it's a pro shop bow, meaning you have to get it from a pro shop. Uh, and it's around 530 bare bow with nothing on it. Um, so it allows for some room there if you wanted to spend, say, 700, 750 to add in some accessories, which frankly, you know, you can do very low cost. So if you're a person who doesn't go to this, you know, hunt every weekend, if you're someone who's not going in backcountry hunts and all that, then you don't really need like top of the line sites or top of the line rests. Like, I, I have no issue with like a whisker biscuit. I'd use it for literally 90% of my hunting. Um, but like if I was going to go backcountry bow hunting, you know, in, you know, Kansas or somewhere in Canada or something rough, I would probably use something more all metal, you know, um, same with the site. Like I do an HHA, but I don't really need an HHA unless I'm, I'm doing something. Of course I'll shoot an HHA. They support, they support what we do and different things. I love HHA, but I could easily get away with a plastic site. No problem. If I'm going to a tree stand 20 feet up shooting a doe or a buck, whatever. And I'm going to the same spot once every month, you know, not even that much. So you can get away with very low cost. If you're not a huge hunter, bear ours also offers a ready to hunt packages, uh, RTH, they call them. Um, that'd be more like the legit, uh, the legit's a little bit cheaper than the one we talked about. So that's like a 450 bow. Uh, but that's got everything on it ready to go. So if you're a new archer, the legit would probably fit, fit you know, fit you a little better. If you're an archer who had, you know, the Botech general was looking for something a little bit in that space, you know, that I would suggest for sure. Um, doing the Alaskan or, uh, you could do the escalate. That's like seven eighty, a little bit more, but a little bit faster, more powerful bow. So it just kind of depends. And if you want to flip the diamond, um, actually it's not even diamond. Now I think about it, they changed it. It's Botech now, but it's the, uh, carbon Zion, which is a sweet bow. Um, I don't think it's like the same exact carbon as used like on a Hoyt right. or a PSC that you talked about, but it's still a nice bow. We've, we've shot a lot of them. They've, they've actually, uh, I don't know. Was it Jamie, a uh, carbon icon? They had a yep. couple other versions of it. Now it's, I shot that icon. bow on here and it's a great, it was a great bow. It's, too. A, it's a great bow. And actually I just told Botech this year. I'm like, can you please send me that in tan? Cause it looks sick. Yeah. I'm like, that bow looks really cool. Um, the Zion and that, I believe that one's like seven or 800. I was trying to look it up for you guys, 800 bucks. So that's 800. It's a little, again, a little bit the higher range, but still a very nice, cool bow for the price. That's under a grand. Um, and then from that point on, you know, once you get to that 999 and you're talking the bear refine, which is their top model, which is a sick model and competes directly with all those other higher brands, even though it's cheaper. But like I said, bears always in a position where they're trying to do something a little different than the rest of the industry. They're not trying to go over a thousand and, and push people into that. They don't want to get into that price point war. There's no point if they can do it for less, you know? So <clears throat> why get yourself in there if you don't have to? I would say elite created one this year called the basin, which is a nice bow, but I do want to point out that it is not the same shooting bow as like, let's say the envision. So if you shot the envision from elite, you'd be like, man, that bow is killer, but the basin is a nice bow and I take anything against it, but it's definitely not the same feel of shooting that bow. I think is around six, 600, 700 right in there. Um, and it's a nice bow though, but it comes as a package too. You can get as a ready to shoot package. They call it RTS. Um, and that's a good bow too. Um, but I would definitely recommend shooting the Envision if you're if you're looking at an elite because it is a very very nice shooting bow. 
It's funny that you had mentioned those two specific bows from Bowtech and uh, Bear because I have Bear sent us an Alaskan because I asked him like, "What do you think about it?" And they said, "Try it out. Here you go." And so I shot. I've been shooting that for the last uh, week or so. Like just just got it set up, and then I hunted with the um, that Bowtech Carbon Zion. And before that, I had, <laughs> yeah, and because that's where I live, right? So going to ATA oh, that's hilarious. years ago, I shot every single bow that was there. And the carbon icon in the comfort setting was an incredible shooting bow for basically $0 compared to everything else. Carbon bow. And the, that's the one thing with this Alaskan that I've already noticed is that I didn't realize how much I liked a carbon bow just for the fact that it's not cold to the touch. Like, you know, right now shooting, it's just completely different. But before that, I shot that Diamond Deploy, and then I shot a Carbon Knight before that. And it's, you know, basically same riser, but that Carbon Knight would rip Mm -hmm. your arm off. And uh, it was just a violent, violent cam system there. But, But I think that that's where many people struggle is because, you know... We often talk about, you know, all this cool stuff. I mean, I'm surrounded just like you guys are with sights and freaking stabilizers and all this stuff, you know, and you got to try it and, you know, but what is a, what does somebody really need, right? That's what it always comes down to. So like, Jamie, I'm going to ask you this because you said that you're shooting a different bow every year. Right. And do you think that there is a benefit to that? Like everybody, it's all cool and, you know, you listen to all these podcasts and you watch all the videos and that one looks nice and everything like that. But, you know, do you think there's a benefit or do you think that there's been years where you're like, man, if I would have had my old bow, this would have not happened or it would have been, you know. (laughs) Right. So I I think there is a big benefit that you can kind of see and appreciate what every company can do. And you're not kind of pigeonholed, you know, would you know, just like we talk about fanboys, which. You know, I would have tried anything, but actually getting it in my hands and trying it made a huge difference, right? Um, I do think that we really need to just do stuff like that, right? We can't pigeonhole ourselves. Um, we learn different things that we like about bows, like Dave loves grips, right? And he's, you know, because because it's different for us, right? And I try to look at it from a consumer because before I met these guys, and the, you know, and People might get mad at me for saying this. I wouldn't buy a new bow. I would look for a nice bow that was two, three years old that I could get, put some new strings on it for half the cost and do it that way. Right. It's it's all about what you can afford to do. And if you want to try a an old carbon bow, you're, you you know, and you can't afford two thousand dollars, you might have to wait a couple of years and then try it. Um, but I think I think it's a good thing that I can, that I've seen all the different uh ways that carbon came up and just like I remember when Obsession came out and how cool all the patterns were and how fast they were, right? And, and just seeing how companies have grown, kind of level off, then this company shoots up. It's so I, I think I think it's pretty cool to be able to do that. I think we're lucky to be able to do that. Yeah. yeah. From a consumer standpoint, however, like like for us, I feel like we're in an um a very interesting and fortunate situation to be like, you know, we get to look at all this stuff and like, 
it's like what we nerd out about, right? And you want right. to go like, oh, look at that, look at that, look at that. And I think some in some ways that's in in good and and bad is contagious. Where it's like people think now they they look at their bow and they're like, oh, well, I need a new one and I need a new one. And I, I mean, there's guys that that I know and I mean, like guys in it seems like in my family that will buy a new bow every year, new stuff every year, and they won't kill anything with it or they won't, you know, they won't even hunt half the time as, as they, they thought they were going to. And then they're looking at like, what do I need to buy new for this year? And it's like, well, I don't even think you gave that a, a real shot, you know? No, I mean, I that, that, that comes across too. I'll jump in real quick. It's like, sometimes, you know, when I think maybe when, you know, this is all over when we're old men or whatever, I'll probably have the same bow for five years at a time. Cause then you're learning it. You, it's kind of, it becomes a part of you, right? We're just so used to, you know, sometimes we get a new bow. I go shoot it for, you know, 20 minutes and then I got to go hunt with it. Cause I just got it <laughs> at the last second. You know, I got whisker biscuits on there. I throw a peep on there. We're good to go. You know, as long as it's coming in 20, we're okay. But yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, we do, we do lose out on getting to make that bow a part of you, which you know, yeah, well, that's, that's probably a good thing. To, to, it's to, interesting that that we're talking about this because no more than four days ago, Dave and I were talking to uh, Josh Jones, who owns a a pro shop out in um, Washington area, and we actually market. asked him this question, right? Like, how how many how many com- comparatively do you see people buying bows every single year, year over year, or do they hold on to them long? Right. And that, that was actually, you know, part a big part of the conversation that we were talking about. And he said, no, I mean, in, in, in all honesty, most people will hold on to their bow anywhere from two to three years. And, and as long as five years before they're looking to, to get a new bow. Um, so I think for most people, they're, they're not buying new every year, but he, but he definitely said there's certain guys that will, you know, but that's a smaller population right. out of the, out of the bigger population of guys. And I think for the same reason, Jamie, um, you know, I, I think some people look at new stuff, new tech, that it's going to help their hunting. But I think to Jamie's point, you have to get used to your, with, with any sport, you have to get used to your equipment. You have to feel comfortable with your equipment. Um, and maybe you're buying a bow year after year because you're not comfortable with it yet. I've had that in the crossbows. There's certain crossbows that just don't feel right. They don't shoot um, as accurate as accurately for me as I would expect them to shoot. Um, so you're looking for that next one to maybe help your hunting work better. But I do think that people don't give it enough time or practice enough. And I think that's another big yep. part of it is uh, definitely practicing. Um, you have to practice in order to get good at any sport. I look at buying these bows like you buy a golf club. So some people spend two, three grand on a golf club every year just because it's fun. Yep. And you know what? That drive is keeps the industry going. But on top of it, it's. It's exciting. So I understand why people do it. Like I, I get excited like a little kid when the new bows come in, like as they come in, I'm like, Oh, so I can't wait to see what it is. If I haven't seen it or yeah. sometimes I'll do a, I'll jump on like media calls and I'll, there'll be a media call like Botech did one this year where they call, they have all these media people call in, you sign an NDA and they show you right here on zoom, like what they're doing, what's coming out and when, and you're like looking at it going, Oh my God, I can't wait. I can't wait to hold this thing. I just want to try it. You know? So there's a lot of excitement that builds and I get it that people, rebuy things, but I will say this to on their behalf, 
for the bows they bought last year, there's a premium market for those bows. They're not losing that much money. And even, right. uh, even Josh said that, like they're, they're selling it for, you know, eight, 900 bucks. And they're, they're only losing a couple hundred bucks a year on swapping. So it's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. Um, he said, especially the Matthews brand that really holds his value. He said, so realistically, these guys aren't losing a ton. They keep their accessories probably, but you know, to flip over. So not too bad. Yeah. I mean, like I say, I, I always just look at it from like the, the consumer or someone who doesn't like nerd out on this stuff, but they listen and they're paying attention and it can be like uh, almost portrayed as like, that's what you have to do. That's what you have to do. And I, I, again, I, I'm, I go, I come on here and I'm say like, I'm the world's worst bow hunter. Right. So I like the hunting portion of it better than I'd like the archery portion of it. John, John, Obviously, John likes fishing more because that's what he's doing right now. But, you know, like he loves the archery portion of it. And I think that 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 to me is like where you can really geek out on like the millimeters and you mic everything and all your veins, you're weighing them and they're all the same. And like for me, I come from the background where like there's no way in hell I'd be doing any of that stuff. And, you know, he's he builds our strings. He does all of the everything now he's gotten into what is he shooting the bow that he has right now from last year i think is the solution ss um which allows you to do some of that tuning right there on the bow deadlock and so uh, elite has that i'm not sure if there's any other companies that have that now um, but where are you guys out on the, like the tuning side that like bow set up and how has that changed in the course of like what you guys are, have been doing? I mean, I, I wouldn't say like we're big into the tech portion of the business, to be honest. We used to have a good tech Chris, when he was working with us, he was amazing. Yeah. Uh, like Josh, a great example. So talking to him, the podium archer, and he's got a YouTube page. It's monstrous. He's doing very well, but he, that dude knows everything. I mean, like. I look at myself as the biggest amateur in the world doing this compared to that guy. Like he's like, Gene, I told him on the show, I said, dude, I'm calling you. And I got a question, you know, I mean, there's, there's so much, right. That you don't, I don't understand a lot in the cam section that gets a little tricky for me. And I try not to talk a lot about it. Cause I don't really get it. There's a lot you have to do to tune a cam. But the one thing I do know, cause it was easy to figure out <laughs> is that the Bowtech system is super simple. Uh, you actually just adjust the uh, cam that will actually move left and right based on turning it. Um, do I play with it? Not very often. And Josh said, it's a good thing. I don't because you, sh- you shouldn't really play with it as a consumer. He said, it's still really made for a pro shop to use. Right. Um, <clears throat> but elite did the same concept, but theirs is different because there's moves the pocket. It doesn't move the cam specific. So uh, you have the riser and you have the, the pocket. And it, it moves the pocket left and right instead of the cam. So same idea, same concept, and they both work good. But those are definitely easier than example would be if you draw a bow in the the in, like I was drawing a kid's bow for my son, and I pulled it, and the the uh, ca- the string came off, uh, the cable came off the cam slightly, just like misses it the stop. And so, like, in order to fix it, you would technically have to shim over the cam. And they're like, well, just shim it over. I'm like, I don't know if I'm qualified to do this. I might have to have Jamie do it. <laughs> figure it out on YouTube. I mean, if you're the one shooting it, I'll do whatever. But if it's your kids, 
I actually like your kids, so I don't want them to get hurt. Yeah. So, but I don't, I don't really have a lot of tuning issues. I mean, honestly, I, the bow companies are pretty good to us about sending them, you know, they'll pre-shoot the bows they send to us to make sure they're at the weight weights, the right draw lengths, and they make sure they're shooting right before they send them usually. But um, I haven't had too many issues with that. I can't speak too much to tuning besides that, you know, and again, like Jamie said, we're, we're kind of all over the place with bows and no. what we use. And no. I mean, I can't remember. I've never paper tuned anything. Chris would do it for me the last couple of years yeah. you know, that he set my bows up, but it, we changed bows so much. Does he make any sense to do it? No, nah, we kind of just work. Like, is it shooting? Right. Is it seam? Right. Does it look like the arrow flights? Right. I mean, those type of things we do play with, with the rest generally, but not usually with the cam. I try to stay away from that just because I knew a little better that if you don't exactly know what you're doing, it's probably not a great idea to touch it. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys are living in the 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 twenty yard world then? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, for hunting, we're not the best hunters. We're not going to ever claim right. We're like like, top it, dogs like if I hit, I always take it out and I make sure I'm good at twenty, thirty, forty. I don't ever. I can't remember last yeah. time I I took a shot at a turkey at forty seven and hit it with a HHA. But other than that, all my deer thirty or under. But I see what you're getting at in your question. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, for long distance guys, that's my point. So like Josh right. is out west. Uh, dust and all these people I know that work out West, you know, live out there, Hoyt, all those guys, Botech, that's a whole different world. It's like, they're shooting distant shots, you know? So they, it's very important to them to have those capabilities that you're talking about. And right. and that's why those bows do very well, especially Botech. They crush it out West, I guess. Uh, Josh was telling us because of that, just because of the tune tunability. Yeah. And so I, I don't come from that background. But like, I remember getting my first brand new bow and my father-in-law's like, Hey, we got to paper tune this, you know, we got to do all of this stuff. And I'm like, what's a paper tune. We took newspaper (laughs) and we uh, put it across the back uh, door of the garage and taped it up there. And he's like, just shoot it through there. And I'm like, well, where's the arrow going to go? And he's like, ah, there's a target out there. It'll probably hit it. You know, (laughs) do that a couple of times. Like, okay, looks, looks pretty good, you know, but now dealing with John, he's like, you know, we're bear shaft tuning and paper tuning, knock tuning. We're doing, doing everything. That's so, awesome. So that's I've, 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 I've come a long ways. And I think that that's what our listener like comes to like, you know, kind of expect they're like, okay, these guys are, you know, a little bit mm-hmm. more serious. So I didn't want them to be like, well, these guys don't paper tune. They don't do anything <laughs> like, yeah. If you're, if you're only shooting at 20 yards and you're, you know, that's what you've set, you know, yourself and, and, impose goals or like whatever you know like 30 yards anything past that but like you know john was out in uh montana like shooting at antelope at like 100 yards like yeah yeah we don't shoot mainly play i don't even think we have many spots past 20 yards to be honest i mean most of our stuff's pretty michigan-based hunting it's not it's not like crazy stuff now if we go on any travel trips i usually then consult with some of the some of the right. techs in the area to make sure I'm good, but that's only happened once that I've had to do that. So w- with that and like, you know, most of the time, the tuning, the long distance stuff, any of that is, you know, like I say, based on long shots and arrow flight. And you've been doing a lot of uh, broadhead testing and stuff lately. And, so where are you guys at with like the fixed mechanical heavy arrow, all of that? Yeah. Most of, most of the testing has been short range, uh, ballistic, like, you know, breaking metal, breaking wood, just to see what happens just for fun. I mean, a lot of people, um, 
you know, we've been using TikTok a lot lately. It's been very, very positive for us. And I actually love it a lot because there's a lot of new archers on there, a lot of community that's new to the game and a lot of questions, a lot of questions. I'll go live on TikTok. There'll be a hundred, 200 people on there asking me questions, constant questions. Like what's best for somebody who doesn't know what they're doing and what's this. So I love it. It's yeah. like, to me, it's like a home run. Cause like you're getting the people who don't do this industry, right. They don't know anything about it. They don't. So it's amazing to me to, to hit that, but they love, they love those type of videos where you're just blowing crap up, you know, quick. So I do it on purpose because I know it's going to draw attention and hopefully get them to pick up an archery bow. I think at some point that's part of the goal with it, but um, so we haven't done long distance broadhead testing in a long time. The, most of the broadhead tests we've been doing is uh ballistic again. So when I was with, uh, so a lot of times when we go to our, we go hunting in, in out West in Michigan, there we'll set up the ballistic blocks we'll do, you know, but again, these are 10 yard, 15 yard shots, you know? And so we're just basically pile driving them in to see what happens and vice versa with the metals. But, um, as far as mechanical, the fixed, I mean, right now from the testing I've done, when it comes to the little thin piece of metal, piece of wood, you know, the fix fix is dominant for sure. Breaking through those. I mean, with getting penetration as well. So not only are they breaking through, but they're completely passing through a lot of the mechanicals. Some are making it through, uh, but not really completely passing through the system. They might get stuck on the feather or the feathers or veins or whatever, but, um, so, but to be honest, one of the biggest holes I seen this year, uh, was the annihilator. And I was very impressed with the hole it put through the metal. I mean, it was like a chunk gone. Uh, and the other one was the one that Tim that we just did, uh, that you helix. didn't air yet. The helix, that thing is like thick piece of metal and it hit and it like literally left a huge gap. I was like, dang, <laughs> if I was doing a traditional, I absolutely want this for sure. And I would even consider doing out of a compound. I mean, it's a, it's more like a two blade. It looks like, a a Magnus or something, but it's just, it's vicious. Such a thick cut blade. I think it's a very similar shape. And I, I had heard that there was like an issue actually with like the kudu point guys, I think on that helix. Oh, really? Yeah. So the, that helix is a pretty thick single bevel, kind of like, uh, I don't know, like a, Oh, I see what you're saying. I'm looking at it now. The, it like the, a uh, star Wars kudu. looking, uh, similar yeah you're right <laughs> x fighter I see look, why. Look I see why. yeah yeah so but uh i think uh aaron from the fall podcast works with those guys and uh i went to check them out at ata but i couldn't find anybody in their booth but which company was it helix oh helix so helix is uh i think believe owned by and, and uh, with america's best bowstrings yep. they're part and of the same conglomerate yep. yep and that's why because i know aaron works with them them as well so but it's interesting that you say that because those that, that annihilator head gets a lot of questions. So like oh. you're, I mean, so uh, I'd imagine it's hard for you to like uh, say, okay, yeah, that we're doing these tests for fun. This is penetration, blah blah blah. But like, how do you think that would fare, uh, like shooting a deer? Because it doesn't. It's not a very wide head, right? I mean, that's a great question. I, I feel like the only way you're going to know is to test it on a deer. I, I wouldn't know how to, I'm, I'm very interested in myself. Like, so after I shot it, I was very interested when I saw the hole because I thought, and then, and, well, when I saw the hole and then I saw it went through the system and actually cleared, I was like, okay, well, shot straight, went through the system and left a huge hole. Um, you know, 
I guess the next step would be to take a little further, you know, 20 yards on a 3d target just to see if it, if it flies right, you know, cause that would be the next step. This indoor stuff's easy, right? It's like 10 yards. It, there's no flight test in it at all. So I think the next step is when summer hits and spring is we'll get outside. We can start actually retesting all these at, you know, maybe make sure our bow's good start. We'll probably just do 20 yards, maybe 30, because again, we could try 50 and 60, but I'm not that great of a shot. And I think I would just mess up and it'll just look like the arrow did something, but really just cause I suck. So I don't want to, I don't want to put that, you know, unless I had like an automatic shooter, which I don't have, which would be sick, like a spot hog shooter, whatever they used to have, that would be cool and set it up and just fire away. But, um, I think the next step for this broadhead for me would be, and this one's in that, that line for me to test again, because I was very impressed. So this will be the 20 to 30 yard 3d target shoots coming up. And what we'll do is we film it. We'll film it with uh we'll shoot it first with the field point, make sure everything looks straight in slow motion, the arrow flight, like we were talking about earlier, if that looks good, we'll swap with the broadhead with the light to knock again, fire it under slow motion, see if there's any tilting or, you know, anything going weird. So we have to, you know, check that out first, but if it hits where it's supposed to hit, I, I'd be good. Now, a good example of this is we did the same concept test with the Muzzy 1 a few years ago. Uh, we shot it like this through the metal and the ballistic gel. We had some, we were pretty excited about it. I then engaged Muzzy to get more of them because I was like, listen, I think I want to hunt with this one. You know, so can you give me just a few more packs? No problem. They sent us packs. First thing that happens, um, well, I had a mechanical error. I shot on too big of an angle and I hit a deer too high in the, I don't know where I hit that deer. No, in the brisket with the rage, it didn't go in very far at all. So I was like, dang. And so then all of a sudden I got into this mode of like, all right, forget mechanical. I'm back to (laughs) right. So then I went back to the smuzzy one that day. I started shooting it again after I was already, it was in my mind. I already had them. And I was like, you know, I'll start shooting these again. Let me just retune with this and make sure everything looks good. And it did. And I went out with a crossbow that night and I shot a doe at 46 yards, just cleaned. I mean, it was like right through the heart, hit the heart, went right through it and right through the whole animal. And it was a perfect line of like, you could see the light go off and it was just a perfect beam right through the heart. I was like, Whoa. And then we got that one. So then I was like, you know what? I'm going to use it with my compound. So then I think it was, I don't know. Was that year I shot that buck too? No boom later. Yeah, it was. It was a couple, might've been the same weekend. Yeah. No, maybe not. Whatever. Anyway, there was a nice buck that came in and I, he was in a different spot in the morning. So I moved and that night. He came back through and I had that muzzy one on and I smoked him right in the lungs. He went, 40, 45 yards and dumped. I mean, it was like, so I'm that one checks off for me. That one's done. (laughs) So in that situation though, like for like, let's say that it is one of these, uh, TikTok hunters or these guys that are starting out and they, you know, found you on TikTok. Now they're listening to this podcast and they listen to that anecdote right there. So in that, story why would you ever switch off of that muzzy one if you were not sitting on an office full of 700 other heads i don't know why did i use it oh yeah good no why would you why would you ever move like so from a new hunter's perspective like you said this rage didn't work for you it was mechanical you had issues with it you were happy with the penetration tests and everything that you'd done with this muzzy one you went out, you shot two different deer, killed them. They only ran X amount of yards. Couldn't sing any higher praises. It, for a person who does not have the ability to try uh, 
any broadhead, any any you know any reason yeah, no, I get, to change. I get what you're saying. Why would you change? Yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I can't. That's not. There's no answer to that. No, yeah, we got so. we got a lot of guys that that I, won't change. We we, we yeah. I mean, Dave this can is, attest to this. We can't make like one of our no. guys, Ron, shoot anything but Schwacker. But it's our job. This is what right. we do. It's our job to keep testing and try right. different ones and let people know our, our responses. And that's why, like, so here's another thing, right? So like the rage, I went to Texas and I shot four animals with a rage and I killed every single one. And it, it was a bloodbath and every single one was a good shot. Right. But the shot I took on that deer earlier in that day was a bad shot. It was a five yard shot on a steep angle. And I hit it in a terrible spot. So that was completely my fault. It wasn't the broadhead's fault, but at that moment you get into this mental state that you go through and this happens to every archer I know. And you're like, Oh, second guessing. Like, what am I doing? Maybe I should, maybe I should be using a fix. Cause I mean, clearly yeah. in that position, I do feel I would have killed that deer with a fixed blade broadhead. I do feel it would have busted right through the brisket and it would have went down far enough to kill the deer. Whereas this, when it hit with that mechanical in that area coming in the top like that, it just didn't have it. It's just too much to, in a 60 pound bow wasn't enough. So that's when I thought, well, if this deer comes in close like that again, cause I'm on a run, I don't want to have this situation. So that's kind of how that started mentally for me. But I would tell people like, if you, I've never had an issue with the rage besides that point, that exact moment. And I've killed probably 15 deer at rages over the years to be clear, but every shot has been broadside, clean shots. So I've never taken a quartering away or quartering ad or anything like that. This was probably the steepest, hardest shot I've done. I, I don't know about you, Nopum, but for me, that's kind of how it's been. Right. And I mean, it's, you're going to have to test stuff out one way or another. And I know broadheads are 30, $40 a pack. And, you know, I, I would kind of look for ones with, with the, um, with the practice heads and, and that's how I would start. I'd have muzzies with the practice heads, you know, cause I didn't know anything about paper tuning or tuning anything. And I'd have to adjust the bow enough where it would hit straight. And then you got to learn it. And then it's whatever you like. Like Tim's got the Ramcat shirt on. Like I've, I shoot everything right with what we do and the Ramcat's always on. And that's, that's a, that's a fixed blade. And I love the truth is though, there's a lot of good blades, right? And and that's what I was going to say. I don't think there's a wrong answer here. And I know we, we talk about mechanical and I even bring up the question a lot, mechanical versus fixed. Now I know my answer, but my answer is a personal answer. My answer is in my mind, maybe it's superstition. Maybe it's not. I want to eliminate any element of error whatsoever. So if there, you know, just the pure fact that it's mechanical and it moves and maybe it doesn't move, I want to eliminate that from my hunting scenario, right? So I'm a fixed blade guy. That's what I like. That's what I use. But that does not mean that if you put enough practice in, you know your shot, your great shot placement, uh, you don't even have to be great shot placement for that matter. I mean, mechanicals and the spreads that you get, you know, the the, the whisk that you get off of those can be bigger than the fix that that a lot of people shoot. Um, I think it really is a personal thing and it comes down to your equipment. It comes down to what your feel and your like is and that kind of thing. Um, I'll tell you what my, my, the best shot that I ever made, it was actually on my first deer too, um, was with a tiny little, uh, Heartland, um, fixed. And that thing was amazing. Sliced right through and uh deer went, you know, 30 yards and it, and it was done. Um, but if I, yeah, so if I had to put my opinion out there, I'm a fixed guy. I just love to, from, from a mentality standpoint, know that 
it was me and it wasn't my equipment that failed. Right? I don't want my equipment failing. I want it to be me because I can fix that. You know what I mean? If it's my, if I can't rely on my equipment, if my equipment is not consistent or I have a mental thing about my, my, my equipment not being consistent, I need to eliminate that. So that's why I'm a fixed guy. So I just have a question real, real quick, it, just for the sake of the argument, is the Ramcat fixed or mechanical? Because it's not, it's not allowed in Idaho because it has moving parts. Yeah, are- I, I would claim, I would claim that it would be fixed. I it's, love Ramcat; it shoots. It does get, you know, the the blades do pivot a little bit on it, but it doesn't open, right? For me, a mechanical is something that's going to open. A, a Ramcat is open when it leaves the bow. That's what I call a fixed. Okay. No, I, I, just, I, just for, you know. Yeah. No, no, no. Great question. It, and that, that actually brings up, you know, kind of the crazy part about the industry is you might not be able to shoot what other people shoot and are very successful with just because of where you live. And, and Crossbow is a great example of that. Um, it, what you can use and where you can use it is different state by state. So you get a lot of range of viewers out there. Um, they have a lot of different questions, a lot of different scenarios because their scenario is just different based on their, based on their rules and regulations. And the, the broadhead Tim's talking about the hydro shock. I want to be clear on that, that there are different ones. Ramp yeah. does have different heads. Okay. So. There's yeah. a bunch of different ones. Yeah. Cause when we were going out to Idaho elk hunting, it was like going through when it, it specifically says fixed blade, blah, blah, blah. And Ram cat, you can't use because it moves. <laughs> I love these. I love these laws. It these with these everywhere. It's funny though because Ramcat does have a pure fixed blade, but I thought it was probably why they did it. Then that's probably yeah. why one of the reasons. I thought our DNR came up with stupid shit, but let me tell you, some of these other states, <laughs> <laughs> they all love. Well, I would this love to I know the reasoning though. behind that, though. I would love to know the reasoning because usually there when isn't. you get regulations like that, those regulations are put in place because it's unfair. Maybe in this case, they're thinking it's unethical, but then why are they distinguishing between mechanical and fixed? What's the difference to them? Like what research do they have that says like a fixed is either a more ethical or B levels the playing field between the hunter and the animal? Because that's usually where you get your regulations from. So that would be very interesting to talk to them about (laughs) why that rule would even exist. (laughs) Well, I think it's, it's exactly the argument that you said where you want to take any gray area or whatever out of it. And so they didn't then don't want moving parts and you know, whatever. Right. But, but I would imagine. And then of course there's some lawyer that says, well, what about this one? Because, you know, and it's a guy that doesn't hunt and doesn't, you know, he just knows that that one moves. So that would thus make it a machine, thus making it mechanical. No. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I hear you. Yep. Well, we we had the it's the same argument between compound and crossbows all the time. Yeah. <laughs> all over the place. Yep. So in in the would, time that you guys have been doing this, like how has the industry changed and how has that changed like what you guys are doing? Well, how so, has the industry changed? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean the industry has changed. I, I think for us it, it the industry's changed completely in my mind. Um, and Dave will shed a lot more insight, I'm sure. But the industry, I think, has realized that they have to move into a 
new realm of branding, advertising, marketing, and that social media space, right? So, I mean, that's where we live, right? Is that is that social media uh, content creation world. And, you know, 2009 to, I want to say probably around 2016 or so, it was a struggle to, to get companies to realize the power of social media and how social media could help you know, their brand and bring their products out and that kind of thing. And it took a long time for them to come around. Um, I think there's certain certain uh, companies that picked up on it quicker than others and really made a move into the social media world. Uh, but I think that's one part of it to me that I've seen the industry change is how they think about their consumer and how they bring information out to their consumer has changed quite substantially. Yeah, I, I, I think I do remember. Was that Tim Gloam, right? from when we use with Bowtech and that paradigm shift, and we, we kept saying it and nobody was listening. Hey, everybody yeah. wanted to give hundreds of thousand dollars to TV shows that no, not a lot of people were watching. We're like, everybody's looking at this stuff on the internet guys and YouTube. And yeah, you're, you need to diversify your portfolio just a little bit, you know, because you're not getting your, your stuff out there. And finally we've got a guy from outside the industry that, you know, kind of jumped on it. And I think he, I think he helped out a lot. And that aspect. Yeah, Tim definitely changed the industry in a weird way, but fast. I mean, Botech, even Botech was the same way until he came. And then he's like, dude, you guys got to shift now. And they, so they, they just did everything you wanted and he shifted everything to online. And it was huge, huge changes for them. Um, and it was a great thing. I mean, they, they've done so much better because of his guidance and what they, I mean, he called me, I'll never forget it. He called me and said, Hey, you guys own that Boner Plant website? I'm like, yeah, he goes, um, you know, I'm calling from Botech. How do we get in on this? I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> I was like, whoa, that's not, that's not normal. Wait a minute, they're no calling one calls us. Me. <laughs> no one calls me and asks to do something. It's always me calling them, right? So it was a total shift. And after that, it just kind of shifted dramatically. And the, but that at that point, I don't think we even really did a lot with Botech, to be honest. We've done work with Hoy at that time and Matthews and different brands, but not specifically Botech. They had always giving me the cold shoulder at the time, you know? And so that's what was nice about him coming in, just kind of bringing in some fresh air, new ideas, things they haven't looked at. And that was a cool shift. But for us, you know, some of the cool shifts, the first off going from TV to internet was a huge shift that happened. Like Tim said, around 14 to 16, right there started happening. Uh, I'll never forget. I got a call from PSC years ago and they're like, we're starting this bow madness or bow blitz website. And we, we want you to push all your people to it. And uh, I mean, it was crazy. Like, and then they, they did it for a year, then they shut it down. <laughs> so that was kind of the start of like, <clears throat> like they're thinking that way. Right. But they just didn't want to manage it because people don't think about the management of anything. Right. Like even your podcast, right. It's like, who's going to manage it. Like if you're not there one day, who's going to do it? Tim and I just had this conversation the other day. I'm like, Hey, I can't make it to my podcast. Like, well, who's going to fill in. Right. You know? So there's like this, you know, you have to have a setup to where someone can manage it. And then it's like, do you got to pay for that? How's it going to work? I mean, there's a lot of work to it, I guess. And no matter what it is. And I think these companies realize they don't want to do it all themselves. And so they start reaching out to get more exposure through our network and do stuff with us in, in different ways. And we've always been wide open to all the brands because we thought the best way to build our tree is going to be to work with whoever wants to work with us. It's, it was never about money or, you know, how are we going to do it? We don't need the money. Like none of us have to have BHP to survive. We're fine. And so, and when it comes to that for us, it's always been like, well, how can we keep doing this, have fun doing it and help the industry grow? Uh, and, and if, you know, however that goes, it goes right over the years, but it's been a long time and 
lot of phone calls, a lot of conversations, a lot of great people in the industry. The hardest part for me in the industry is just when people come and go. So when you have uh, people leave, like let's say Bear Archery, the marketing person leaves, uh, goes somewhere else, and now I have to start over with the current marketing guy to kind of shed light on what it's easier now than it used to be, but shed light on what we did last year and how it can help them and why they should do some stuff with us. And what I'm finding happening now, because I've been doing it too long, is that the people who leave are calling us to do more stuff for different brands, which is crazy. So all of a sudden now you're adding like, I got a call the other day for something that's like nothing to do with like, it's just like an outdoor, I forgot what it was. It was like, it's something completely different, like hearing aids, but for hunting, but they're hearing aids (laughs) and it's mostly a gun thing, but they actually help you in the field because the, I guess you can hear the deer coming. So you can do opposite effect, like use them for archery. Cause you can hear things coming closer if it's allowed, obviously in your state, but you know, so that was interesting, but they're like three grand a pair. <laughs> I hate to be wearing those with, with Jamie eating Mexican food the night before sitting out the woods, man. I probably hear you a mile away. <laughs> yeah. But some of these, some of these guys are, are every year or two moving around, moving, 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 moving. Oh yeah. It's like Look, there's yeah. people that leave, they go to gun companies, they go all over, man. I mean, one guy went to Benelli. I mean, it's crazy. And then, you know, but I, I worked with his dad. I mean, before his dad passed away, that's what I'm saying. It's like crazy. Like 13 years has been a long time and you get to know a lot of people in this industry and they don't really leave the industry. I'm starting to find out most of them try to stick around some way, shape or form. Yeah. So, so where do you think then the, the industry is headed? Because like with the lack of the ATA show, you know, last year, the digital one. And then, you know, this year the attendance was like zero, like none of the major bow brands were there. I think bear was there and uh athens and uh yeah pse was there um g5 i think went yeah i think but g5 was there yeah but that was i mean compared to say five years ago the show has been nothing i mean it's been on a steady decline and so how, how do you think what do you think is happening within the industry that they're saying we don't need that anymore or I I think the simple answer is the pandemic happened and the pandemic happened in a way that um, forced these companies without the ATA ATA to find a way to survive. And I think that's a big part of it. Um, You know, they, they can do all that stuff. And I'm going to say this and I I love the ATA show and I don't, I don't want to speak bad about them in any way, but I think the one thing that they could do to, to improve it is to open it up at least one day to consumers and I think that, you know, with it being a dealer driven, you know, and that, that, and I get they're an association and that that's kind of what they built themselves on. Um, we had big numbers in our videos when we first started going. So we were one of the first companies that started going and started videotaping the new products and putting those products up online. Right. And we had a huge amount of interest in people seeing the new stuff as quickly and as fast as possible. And so I think that that's kind of where like the, the ATA kind of, and I know they don't want to do it, but I think they kind of need to level set with, you know, if they want to get numbers up and they want to get more interest in ATA. If they have consumers that actually go at least one day, I think that would help. Um, number one, but I, I think the industry is going to survive. They're going to figure it out, you know, with or without the ATA anyway. And they have the last two years and the ATA does a lot for the industry outside of the show itself. Um, but I think they've had to out of necessity. You know, we talked to a lot of companies over the pandemic years 
in regards to what they were doing and how they were doing it. And, and I don't think there was a single company that we talked to that didn't say we're investing more and more into our dealers than we ever did before, because without our dealers, we don't survive and our dealers need to survive along with us. So they spent promotions, they spent, you know, they, they did all this different stuff to help drive people into the dealers so that they could drive the industry forward through what was happening. But I, that's a long-winded answer to, to, to my first you know, couple, of, couple of words there to say, it really truly was the pandemic that pushed all that. But I think prior to the pandemic, you were even seeing that, you know, the November prior to say, you know, 2019 for 2020, instead of, releasing their new bows at the ATA show. Now they're doing it online and now it's a race to get your next year's bow. And that was pre pandemic. And then even, yeah, you're right. And even pre pandemic, they like removed, you know, half of the press or increased the prices so, so that there was like half of the people that were there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think they, the industry kind of, you know, I'm, I'm going to throw it back to the whole social media move, right. And, and how companies are really moving and have been moving to more, you know, digital online based social media to push their products. I, I feel like that really came because the companies realized that the dealers are going to buy the bows that their consumers want. Right. So, so the companies in, 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 from what I, from what I know, um, started releasing the bows as quickly as possible in these big events online because they wanted to drive that consumer need for it, that consumer desire for it. So that when dealers went into ATA show and they're signing their deals and they're buying their bows, they're hearing from their customers as to what they want to buy before they get there, right? So I think it was a way for the industry to show the consumers what they have so that they could, you know, have their dealers have good, accurate information in regards to what their consumers are wanting, what they should be purchasing. Yeah. I mean, the answer, the answer to the question is the pandemic was the igniting. It was like taking a match and throwing it in a field is what everybody hoped for. They didn't want to go to the show. They did that. That was, this is not something they wanted to do, but they didn't have the guts to not go. Everybody yeah. else was going. And if you didn't go, you had a chance to lose all these sales. Right. But this gave them all the opportunity to work together to get out of it. And not have to pay all these fees all the time and all these advertising dollars and all this stuff, especially when they knew the dealers would buy direct from them and through their own dealer network instead of have to go there. So I just, I honestly think it was just a, a match waiting to ignite. It just, they didn't know what to do. Like, how can they get out if everybody else is there? You don't want your competitors to go if you're not going to go. So I don't know. I, I don't I don't see the ATA coming back in full power, to be honest, at all. Um, I think they'll stick around. I just don't know what capacity because, I mean, a lot of these companies made double, triple the amount of money they normally do, and they didn't go. So right. <laughs> I can't imagine they're going to pay a huge bill to go back, you know, so we'll see. True. I don't think it'll ever go back to normal, but I, if I was these companies, I wouldn't be complacent about it either, right? You're already seeing, you know, like my wife's a big Peloton person, whatever. That company's going way down the tubes now because people are going back to the gym. And, you know, people, the new people that bought a bow, are they going to buy a new bow every year? Like, we, I think we still need to make a push marketing-wise. I wouldn't take it for granted that we're just selling our stuff out nonstop all the time. And that's the way it's going to stay. Because I just bought a camper and I can damn well tell you 
in two years, I'll probably wish I didn't because the prices will be down the toilet because everybody <laughs> will be going, on va- they'll be going on planes and going on vacations again. You got to think ahead. And I, well, I hope they're all doing yeah. it. They're smarter than me. Right. But, you know, I, I'd still Good try point. to find a way to reach out to the to your to your people. But but to that point. So, like, let's say that they did have this money savings and that's what it was why attendance was down and the whole um, paradigm has changed about how they're going to uh, connect with their customers, whether it's now online and dealing directly with the dealers and, and all this stuff, you know, they made three times the money, right? What are they doing with that within the industry? Are they, are they just getting richer or are they doing things more innovative? Are they changing um, the way they're, interacting with their actual customer base. I think it's gotta be a mix. I already know this answer. So they've they're taking they're taking clients on hunts. They're doing tons of stuff that they couldn't do before. They got that that money is able to do a lot more things. Number one, they're doing a lot more marketing, a lot more marketing that I've seen. They're picking up shows left and right. I'm only speaking for one company. I'm not gonna name the names because I'm I I just know what's going on. They picked up like three shows. Uh, internet shows. They picked up um, some internet people, a TV show, um, some influencers, and then they're doing other things like Total Archery Challenge. Like so, they're starting. I just think there's a lot going on, a lot more with that money than could have yeah. been done if they would have just stayed at ATA. Yeah, but I think it does have to be a mix though, too, because you know one of the things that these companies are doing is their R and D. Like you, you would think that, okay, we made a lot of money. Let's put a bunch in R and D and we're going to come out with some crazy stuff next year. Right. But a lot of these companies, their money has already been spent for the next two years on the R and D because what they're launching today, they've been working on for two years. It's not, we come up with an idea and we launch it in nine months type of deal. Right. So they're, they're doing that mix. Um, but I will say that you have, I, I think we have seen, um, in the last couple of years, some of the coolest inventions out there. And I think companies willing to have that, that have that extra money that are willing to take that extra risk to say, we're going to put this out there. We don't really know how it's going to be perceived, uh, but we want to try it to see if we can crack an egg open somewhere. I think is a, I think is a really good benefit out of all that as well. Yeah. That's something that I don't think people think about is like the actual time frame on this. And I mean, when you, get into it like it's mind-boggling like who actually owns all of the patents and who are the guys that are actually coming up with the designs and i don't think that the the list is as long as people would think yeah <laughs> yeah no i i would imagine that a lot of people would be surprised yeah. about that as well so I can't think of a, a better group of guys to come on here and like talk about the industry and the history of the bows and, and all of that sort of stuff. And we've been, you know, kind of going back and forth on that. So what does bow hunter planet have going on? I know you guys are giving away a bow, I think on TikTok or something, right, Dave. And uh, what else do you have going on? Uh, like within uh, the bow hunter planet realm? Yeah, we just been uh, focused a lot on the test lab show and in the inside that show, we've been doing the classics version uh, which is a lot of fun. I've been spending most of my time on that. And then within that, I've been working on a lot more reels and TikToks and YouTube shorts. I'm um, just trying to build those platforms and get them going. Like I said, I, th- I thought it was really cool. The TikTok community, 
tried to build the YouTube one a little bit more, but it's a lot slower going. And I think that's because it's just not new community. It's just like the same community that's always been there. So I think that's part of the issue with that side of it, but still working on it, trying to learn stuff from it as well and build both. Uh, then we obviously focus on our podcast. We've been, you know, Tim and I have been really hammering out a lot of episodes with that. Just trying to get guest on after guest on, like, you know, we definitely want to have you on soon here and get that going, but you know, just getting everybody else's perspective on what they do in, in, in their industry and what they do in this industry and how they're making it their own. It's just a lot of fun to learn all that and, and see what other people are doing for their, you know, content and what they're doing to work on things, whether it's a pro shop, like podium archer, or, uh, you know, yourself with a podcast of your own, uh, things like that. And I just think it's interesting to see the differences. Um, but the classics version real quick is just, a, it's a really cool version of what we're doing. Cause it's like really <laughs> stepping back. And, uh, we, we teamed up with a couple different bow, manufa- uh, bow string manufacturers, gas bowstrings, America's best bowstrings, uh, and a three bowstrings have been helping us restring and recable all of those bows, which is great. So we'll send them six, eight at a time. They'll redo them, send them back. Uh, and we'll get to work on them because a lot of them are just messed up, dry rotted and, you know, they're old. So that, that part's pretty cool. And then for the bow giveaways, we are giving away an APA bow um, on YouTube coming up at 50,000 followers or subscribers. And then at a hundred thousand, we're giving away a Bowtech SR 350. And then on TikTok, we're giving away a diamond, a top, no, a diamond atomic. I think it is at 150,000. And then at 200,000, we're giving away an elite basin RTS package on TikTok. So four bows total. Um, I don't know how long it's to take the YouTube one to get to 100,000, but my thought is if it doesn't get close to it by the end of this year, we'll move it to TikTok and move everybody over there for that and give it. Yeah, nobody wants because, a five year old bull if it doesn't get. Yeah, it's got, <laughs> yeah, if they can't get it done by the end of the year, I'll just move it to something else. So, yeah, but we, we are we are firing, you know, really on all cylinders. Um, you know, what, what we're doing right now is trying to produce as much content as possible because right now is our time to backlog our content that we have in our library to be able to support us through. Cause you know, we're, we're all working guys, right? We, we all have day jobs. Um, you know, bow Hunter planet is not our day job. Um, so we try to get as much content as possible, as quickly as possible so that we can take the time with the family. You know, we got Turkey season coming up. I do a lot of camping, all that kind of stuff. So we try to get a bunch of content loaded in as early in the year as possible. So that way we can uh, use that content and can can spend our time at that point posting and editing and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but we, you know, we we fire we try to fire on all on all cylinders. I mean, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, uh, Instagram. But thankfully we have somebody that does that for us, Chris McGee, who does a great job with our Instagram page. Um, you know, we got the podcast thing going on, but we have we have the ancillary stuff too, where we have a whole uh, community called Team BHP of hunters that are in the industry that, um, you know, support us and, and are, are really a, a knit community of, of guys that just like, and, and girls for that matter, that like to just get together and talk. And we do special giveaways for, for our team BHP folks and provide them with discount codes and a whole bunch of other benefits. So we have that team BHP aspect going on. And then uh, coming up later in the year, we also revamped and relaunched our golden arrow awards, which are, um, community-based choice awards where we put out a survey to, you know, everybody out there and they vote on best bows, best releases, best crossbows, best innovator of the year, a whole list of awards that we do 
um, that we then present to those companies that win it with that. So we, we do, we try to do as much as we possibly can um, to just build the community bigger for everybody. And that that's our, that's our goal. Can't believe you didn't say the BHP Christmas. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, I wanted to forget that for a little bit, but BHP Christmas as much work as oh. that is, it is an absolutely amazing time. So once so a year, yeah, it is a ton of work, but once a year, um, you know, we do this big, huge live show, uh, right around Christmas time. It's usually the, the week after Christmas or week before Christmas, depending on scheduling. But I think this year, I, I want to say, I, and, you know, I hate to throw a number out there and be wrong, but I, I want to say it was upwards of $10,000 in giveaways that we were it able to crazy. give away on that live show. Crazy. I mean, there was over 60 prizes that we gave away and there was, you know, six, six or seven bows that we gave bows, away yeah. and a whole bunch of other stuff. So but this is a good example though. I just want to point out, this is a great example of the love that BHP gets from the industry. Absolutely. So the industry has been with us since the beginning. They've seen the dedication we put into this for very little money. They have supported us through thick and thin. And I want to point out that those companies like Expedition, Bear Archery, Botech, Hoyt, Darden at the time, maybe not as much today, but Darden did a lot with us in the beginning. Um, and then there's a lot of other companies, a lot of smaller companies. There's probably bow companies I'm forgetting about. And I, sorry if I did, but, um, those guys have come through every time I send them an email. Hey guys, we're gonna do the Christmas. Oh, we're in, you know, we'll, we'll give you a bow. No problem. We'll it's send crazy. it direct. Right. It's amazing. Like how, how easy it is because of the fact that they, they, they know we're here to help. They know we're here to support this industry and, and grow the heritage. So that's one, one of the things that I just, I love that part about it. Like, I love that we have that ability and that they trust us to do it and do it right. It's just amazing. So I want to go around the room before we kind of wrap this up. I don't want to get to ask this question very often. We always ask like what bows you shoot and all that. And we'll get to that in a minute. But since you've been doing this for so long and like you guys have, I don't, I don't have no idea how many podcast episodes, but it's like a, a, a ton. So for the three of you, like what's been your favorite podcast that you've done? Um, well, I'll tell you, I, 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 we might all <laughs> have the same answer to this one, but it was yeah. a long time ago. And, and I think the most memorable one was when we had, uh, the Nuge's wife, Ted Nugent's wife on, she was our scheduled, she was our scheduled podcast. Right. So we started talking to her and, and obviously Ted has to come up at some point. So we start talking to Ted and, or we, we start talking to her about Ted and, and she just turns to us real quick and says, you guys want to talk to him? Like, I think we, I think that was one of those, you know, like how in a podcast, awkward silence is like the worst thing in the world. I think there's the one time it wasn't necessarily awkward silence. It was just really. And and we all just looked at each other, which yeah. would felt like 30 like seconds. A, yeah, like a it was bunch probably of five, girls. But then Ted jumps on the phone and we just, I mean, it was just a great time. You know, you can't yeah. stop Ted's mouth. You can't stop, you know, what's going to come out of his mouth. So funny. And here we are just all gathered around the table um, you know, recording this thing, we're all trying to hear it. We're all trying to talk. And it was just, it, that, I think that was the funnest one. Um, and, and probably just more memorable than anything else because it was surprising to us. You know, yeah, that, that I was a little nervous that. about, I, that was the only time I've ever really been nervous on a podcast. Cause all of a sudden I went from like, no big deal to like, Oh my God, like, what do I ask this guy? You know, like I'm supposed to like lead this thing. Like, what do I say? And so like, cause I know, he, you know, he's very obviously, you know, whatever the topic is, you know, and he's going to speak to it. He knows it, you know, inside out. Hard to get a word in at all. Yeah. I was like, uh. (laughs) but you just talked about Fred bear and it was easy. 
So yeah, I would say the other one we did that was cool was Bud Fisher when he came to our studio. We had a great that time, was. him and his team. We had we had bear chili, Canadian mm-hmm. bear chili was awesome. Um, that was a lot of fun. I know the guys from Walk on Archery came to our studio. That was a good time. And um, I think after that, we did the we did the driving in cars with Bud Fisher and, and I like a mobile podcast. So I, I actually changed it. This is very funny. I put riding in cars with Bud Fisher and it didn't do that very well on view, video views. Then I changed it to Rut Daniels driving in cars with Rut Daniels. And all of a sudden it went ballistic. I'm like, what? I'm like, why didn't I think of this before? It was so stupid. So they're like, this is the guy. People are like, this is the guy. <laughs> so I'm like, yep, this is him. <laughs> oh, that's so, but Otherwise, live feeds. Live feeds with like bear archery, Botech, those have been really cool and really interactive. Expeditions coming up, we're doing with them coming up. And their team, I don't know what it is about them and Facebook, but their team has Facebook down. Like when we do a live feed with them, there'll be two, 300 people live watching. It's unbelievable. Like way bigger than anything we've done when we do it with expeditions. Pretty, pretty cool. Yep. That's interesting with the, the Ted Nugent one, because I've listened to a lot of his podcasts and I, I'm pretty sure I listened to that one that you guys did just after you said you were talking to his wife and it switched, but I doing this you know, and, and talking with so many different people and so many different, like having those awkward conversations or like whatever, and just trying to make it work. Like when someone goes off, like completely a hundred percent on a tangent for, you know, 20 minutes and you're just like, what do you do? Like, you can't interrupt Ted Nugent. Like I, yeah. I couldn't imagine like, <laughs> that putting was myself like, in that situation. No, it was wide open. Let him, go, let him go. Yeah. You know, it's funny is we do a live podcast every year at the Woods and Water Show in Michigan. And we're, we didn't do it last year. We're coming back this year. But every year we do it. And then we we play when we're not talking like this. We end up just playing the old versions and we play the Ted version. Not kidding. Not exaggerating. We're playing the Ted version. All of a sudden, there's like 100 people standing around our booth, like looking for Ted. <laughs> <laughs> this is hilarious we're like what the heck they're looking for 10 like where's ted you know people are yelling and we're like he's in this back room but <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't then this lady comes up i've never met and she goes where are they and we're, i'm like oh they're not here this is pre-recorded she goes oh she goes because shemaine's my best friend from high school we went to troy together troy athens and all this stuff and she called her she calls shemaine right there on the the phone she's like oh they're playing your podcast right now it was so crazy I'm like, this is nuts. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun anyways. You know, I mean, for, really to have cool. the interaction from the crowd and all that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. so funny. <laughs> yeah, there was a moment in time where we were doing that where there was near on 100 people because we, we started um, giving away, you know, just, just merchandise. Um, you know, we like kids and yeah. a thing. Little kids yeah, but, but at one point we just started throwing – some stuff out to the crowd and every, I mean, it was, it was just, it, I, I swear we, I thought we would have needed security at the end. I thought I was in a, I thought it was in a concert. I'm like, <laughs> people are like all like this, like yeah. a whole bunch of people and yeah. we're throwing shirts like a cannon. And like, these people are like going nuts. They're like, ever I'm out in the crowd with a microphone. Like, who are you, sir? Where are you from? <laughs> yeah. The coolest thing though, I got to say with all of that stuff are the kids, man, the kid, oh, the, the smiles that they have. And you know, it, it, it's, it's really cool to watch them. Um, you know, get something free, but also, you know, there's been a couple of, couple of younger archers that have come up that, that have, you know, thanked us for what we do. They listen to it. And that's kind of the cool thing is we don't get a lot of feedback, you know, in, in 
day-to-day online, obviously. Everybody wants to type online and give you their feedback, whether it's good or bad. But when you go to an event like that and, and they're like, guys, thanks, man. I listen to your stuff all the time and blah, blah, blah. That's really cool to see in real life. And we don't we don't get to see that enough. So doing shows like that is really fun. So let's, uh, again, round the room, like, what are you guys shooting? What bows are you shooting this year? And like your complete setup from broadheads release or... I don't know what you use, Tim, like a glove. Yeah, you know, I'll be honest. It's a little bit too, it's a little bit too early to tell. Um, it is. Yeah. You know, yeah, we, I don't, we don't, I don't have we one don't yet usually, <laughs> I won't make my decision um, typically until sometime in July or August after everything's in, we know what we have, we know what we're doing. Cause some of the stuff that we give in, we're giving away for giveaways and we come up with ideas to do with different stuff. You know, so we're, we're, we're kind of fluid this time of year. Um, you know, I, I, I do have in, and it's, it's actually not new. It's probably two or three years old, um, an Excalibur assassin that I've been shooting that I absolutely love. But in regards to new bow this year, um, we don't, I, I don't know yet. I don't know if you guys even know what you're going to be shooting this year. You might have an idea, but I don't know if you're drilled down to it. Well, even then, James yeah, definitely then, <laughs> then, then <laughs> all right, what was your setup last year and what, uh, how did it perform? Yeah, I did a, I did the, I did two bows last year. I did the Bowtech um, Solution SS, which you, you mentioned earlier in the show. I love that bow. It's literally one of my favorite bows of all time now. So smooth. Um, I love it performed fine. No problem. I didn't get any good shots off or anything, but it, I had no issues with just shooting in general. Um, and then I used, uh, what else I used in open last year? I had an expedition at one point. Yeah. The I early the, season. I, I had the, what, the X thirties. What I hit. Is that what they called it? That weird. I alloy? didn't use that one though. Yeah. You that's did that what, one. That's did probably that what I'll use. Well, I'm actually probably use shotgun right for Turkey. So get over it. That's what you still have, right? You still have that X 30. <laughs> yeah. Right now? So, so yeah, that one's going to be, so here's the problem. Like we don't like some of the companies will send us hunting bows as well. They'll say, Hey, you know, we'd love to have you guys use some of our hunting bows or hunt with our bows too. So they'll send us some bows for test lab, but then the, those bows, we don't count as like hunting bows. We won't hunt with those bows generally, unless we're in a position where they say to me like, Hey, we're sending them, but we can't get them for a while. So a lot of those bows, like we'll send to people on our team that are doing stuff like Corey upper. He got like, I sent him a solution just recently because he's working on videos for us on um, how to tune the solution. Like you were mentioning earlier, he did a video on how to tune it um, and then stuff like that. So I think we need to re rehab this conversation later because <laughs> once, once we dial down, I know I'm shooting a bear for sure this year and a Bowtech. I already know that already. And then Jamie most likely will be an expedition and an elite. Most likely uh, he'll go between two. Generally we'll start in Turkey with one and then switch during early season to another. And then depending on if we don't see anything in Turkey, we might swap to two bows in the fall, one in the, but that's just because what we do in this business, it's unfortunate for us, but it's, it's fine. It's fun. It's, but I agree with your comments earlier in this podcast. Is it the best idea to swap through bows? I don't think it is. I agree that it would be better to stick to one if you could, but again, our hunting is not like hunting people do out west or anything like that. It's very simple hunting. So, what about like your accessories, like sight, rest? I mean, do you have a preferred yep. one of those, or is it, you know? So, yeah, Jamie, I'm, go ahead. I'm I'm the Burris. Uh, I'm the Burris guy. So, you know, I, I've I've been shooting the Oracle. I shot the Oracle one. Now I have the Oracle two. I put that on the expedition that I do have, and I need to finish up sighting that bad boy in. What's so the difference between the, the one and two? There's a lot of new, de- they, they basically, yeah. I'd, I'd say they, they cleaned it up. It's a solid housing. It's easier to sight in. 
Um, they fixed the lighting on it, you know, because it was a little bright when it kind of got to dusk. Um, they, so if you if you are like a mule deer mule deer hunter, um, now you can get up to like four points of uh, reference. So that means I mean you're accurate out to a hundred yards. I mean it's they put everything that you wanted that you thought. I mean it was great the Oracle one, but all the little things that kind of were like eh, they fixed them. Yeah, so, but we and we are we are blessed from that standpoint to be able to use that and a lot of other equipment in Michigan that. Yeah, you can't. Right. You know, you Burris like, isn't legal like they can't. They, they can't right. use it in their own state. So right, <laughs> that tells you something. Yeah, yeah. I remember when the the one came out, and that was about the same year that the Garmin site came out. Right. And uh, I mean, we within the podcast talked about it, and the Burris was a, I mean, a much better product for glare, for battery failure, right. for I mean, there was just so many things that. Right. You know, Burris had going for it over the 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 zero or whatever. Zero, yeah. yeah, right. Well, I, mean, I, I, I heard, I now. heard, I heard the zero Head zero got a little better. It's um, very good now. Yeah, I just shot it, and then so I, I still, I'm still, I'm still a little hesitant about that piece of glass being in there between the glare and fog. I'd have to see that personally, right? Because you never know until you're in the elements what that what that does. But maybe they did something that took care of that. But th- that'd be that'd be what I'd want to see. Sure. But, and so yeah. you, I generally you, use an HHA for me. I like HHA optimizers, Tetras. Generally, that's what I'd be using. And then we all use Cobra releases right now because yeah. part of a test lab deal we do with them. So and, and honestly, um, uh, I don't love use Whisker biscuits anymore. Yeah, me too. <laughs> because halfway through the season, it always, something's always coming loose, and I'm out in the field, yeah. and I'm buying a new one. So now I just leave it on there. That's the typically because one. Jamie sets them up in the first place. No, even Chris messed one up. <laughs> <laughs> throwing them under the bus, throwing the professional archer. <laughs> yeah, Chris is around throwing them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, he does it just came loose because i actually shot it a bunch that year <laughs> that's a terrible statement i actually shot it yeah. a lot <laughs> i mean i mean we live in the city right so i mean yeah no we don't it is. Shoot, it's not, we, it's don't, we don't shoot every day it's yep. just the I way do, life is but indoors well indoors like five yards you know 18 I mean, yards good for form but yeah exactly <laughs> Well, guys, this has been a blast, and uh, I really appreciate you coming on and just cutting up. And I think, like I said, uh, that stuff about the bows and the the price points and all that stuff, you know, those are questions that we get a lot from guys that are either, like, looking to upgrade a bow or looking to change. And I think that and your insight from the the industry side of it is invaluable because – you're kind of coming at this from the same point as we are, as like you're trying to, to, you know, you're passionate about, you know, bow hunting, archery, all that stuff. And you're in the unique situation and coming at it from a, a, a standpoint to kind of try and help people ultimately at the end of the day. You, you guys aren't, you know, you, yeah, we all gain from all of this. Of course we do. Otherwise we wouldn't do it. But, you know, it isn't like what more can we do for ourselves? You know, you're ultimately, you know, trying to put the, the viewer, the, the person that follows along to get that information out there for them. And I really appreciate what you guys do from that standpoint. So again, thanks for coming on and, 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 you know, just kind of giving that perspective to our listeners. So. 
No, I appreciate that, Adam. And same to you, man. I mean, what you guys do with your podcast, I've listened to it. It's amazing information. And, uh, you know, it, it is it is about that community, right? It's about us getting together with you and talking about everything and what's going on that, that really helps drive, you know, the, the industry forward and brings the community closer and uh, highlights the heritage of, of our the heritage of our passion. So thank you. Thank awesome. You. So is everything at bowhunterplanet.com or where, where can they find this, Dave? Yeah, it's the easiest way. Just bonerplanet.com. There'll be all the links at the all top the to get it across the whole social network. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, <laughs> That's guys. That's a lot of it. <laughs> all right. We'll see you. Thank you.